Um, gosh. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't even know where to start exactly. So um, I'm thinking we just make this the intro to, to the Getting Started in UX episode. And we basically just say, hey, this is Samuel and Robert. We have an update for you. On with the show. Yeah. Do you want to give any kind of explanation or just we're done? Do you want to Do you want to just try it? I think that's our best option. Um, I don't, it's not, yeah. All right, so I am Samuel. And I am Robert. And today we are here to tell you that successful users will be going on hiatus. It's true, Samuel. Yep. Uh, yeah, so uh, we really appreciate, uh, you know, all the support, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, we're going to going to put this little guy in an indefinite suspension. <laughs> it's a yeah. uh, it's it's this I think uh I don't know. I don't even know. I I can't even come up with a way to rationalize it now that I'm thinking. Now that I'm trying to. Yeah, we might have to heavily heavily edit this intro. Yeah, I think we will. <laughs> uh I guess it's important to to say that uh Robert and I uh still are very fond of each other. Um it's not uh this is not a dramatic thing. It's just a being uh very highly evaluating the time that we put into it and uh probably both needing to put that time into other activities kind of a thing so going forward i imagine what would what how would people track what you're doing going forward follow keepify yeah um you can check out keepify uh you can uh i don't i don't tweet a whole lot from my personal account but it's at whitetailsoft keepify is probably the thing though yeah, that's that's where most of my attention is right now. Yeah. And then, you know me, user on board all day and all night. All right. Giddy up. There you go. All right. Well, anyway, well, on with the show. Here's our uh, final episode. I guess we didn't realize it was the final one when we recorded it, but uh, yeah. Robert, do you want to kick it off? Uh, I would, but I don't even remember what it is. <laughs> Welcome to the Successful Users Podcast, featuring Samuel Hewlett and Robert Graham. Did you, did you want to do an intro, or, uh, um, I mean, I can do the intro too, I guess. Why don't you do the intro? All right. Well, hello everybody, and uh, welcome to another edition of the Successful Users Podcast. I am one of your esteemed hosts, Robert Graham, and this is my friend, Samuel Hulick. It's good to be here, Samuel. You know what? We're already in agreement. 100% agreement, in accord podcast. Simpatico. Simpatibuds is what we should have called it. (laughs) Simpatibuds. Unable to disagree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, right. yeah. That's. I wonder how much we we agree versus just like being uh, so conflict averse that we're like, yeah, that, that's that's what I think too. <laughs> That'd be great. It's it's secretly just the fear of confrontation podcast. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There you go. Uh, so on that note, uh, what's our topic this week, Robert? Uh, well, uh, I believe we got 
somewhat maybe personally, but also uh, podcast-related uh, questions about how you could get started with a career in user experience. Yes, that's true. I and I started thinking maybe maybe there's a, a strong solopreneur uh, streak in our in our listening audience or people that are working at startups or whatever. So I thought it would be I thought I would I would broaden it a bit and just say uh, how to get started with UX. Yeah, because maybe uh, you don't want to go right. like you know for You're a, not looking a, like for the for career what's yeah or like a business card with ux on it but maybe everybody seems like everybody these days is wanting to sharpen their ux skills a little bit right so starting at zero what are the things we recommend for for the jump off i like it it's a good starting point all right so speaking of starting points uh for those of you who are new to listening to this podcast uh I, personally, I consider it very unfortunate, but Robert insists on going first. Uh, it's just kind of, I, I guess it just makes him feel like a bigger person. I'm not really sure what, what his, his rationale there is, but uh, as, as is tradition, Robert uh, is going to kick this off. So, Rob, take it away, as you always do. Right. Well, before I, before I jump in with my really important thoughts... Uh, I, I was going to mention that uh, I, I know some people wrote in about we, we talked about the lawyers tightening up the language. I wanted to assure everyone that we got <laughs> that done and uh, and that everything's okay. I, I, I would put okay in quotes. I would say uh, everything has been <laughs> everything has been arranged. Uh, right. But yeah, 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 yeah. We, it was an exhausting 106 page document, but it's it's done. <laughs> Mahogany tables were involved. We literally stared each other down a couple times, but uh, yeah, it's we we have reached an agreement. I guess is the best way that I can I can phrase it. Yeah, we're back to agreement podcast. Okay, so that that settled. Uh, t- tip number one is uh, to tie your your UX improvements or your attempted improvements to uh, real metrics that business cares about. Mm. Um, so sometimes that's going to be, you know, sign up. Sometimes it's going to be revenue. Sometimes it's going to be a little fuzzier concept of of happiness or maybe uh, referrals. Um, and and you may have some other key metrics that you could tie it to for your specific situation. But uh, if you're getting started and you want to, you know, know if you're having an impact and know if you're making things better, then I think tying it to the metrics that really matter to you is one of the best ways to do that. Robert, I think that's a fantastic first recommendation, first of all. Second of all, it's an interesting one because I think that people who are longtime practitioners or so perhaps even the most advanced in the field have a hard time doing that. So you're, are, you, are you saying don't pick up bad habits early or are you saying like just approach it from this from day one or? I mean, I, I, uh. I think not picking up bad habits early is good, uh, and I, th- I think starting with with this sort of perspective from day one is, uh, I guess, at least from my perspective, and probably uh, from the solopreneur perspective in general, is maybe the most useful approach. Yeah. Well, I think it's the most useful approach either way. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Maybe I'll hedge on that. It's it, in in some weird environment. Like if you work at an agency and a, and you're like uh, brought on by a, by a brand manager that's trying to create a new 
uh, opportunity for people to experience the brand or whatever, chances are pretty low that you're going to be able to be like, so how, how will we know we've done a good job here <laughs> or whatever? Right. But yeah, I think the more, uh, maybe the way to put it would be, uh, or not the way to put your thing, but the way to put my, my thinking on it is, uh, like the, the closer you are to having the people who use the product be the ones who are paying for the product or making that purchasing decision, uh, the, the more likely it is that you can tie it to like a results oriented approach. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how I can improve on that summary, honestly. Yours? Well, your summary of my point, I oh. guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't mean, know how I could improve on your summary. This is this is the give myself credit podcast. <laughs> Look, I think I pretty much nailed it. So <laughs> I don't know what I don't know if you're asking me for uh, for more info, but I pretty much pretty much delivered the goods. <laughs> Uh, well, now that we've completely delivered on tip one, I think that might make it time for tip number two. Well, I can only hope to live up to the, the standard that you've set. For tip number two, my recommendation is, I got I got a little anecdotal with this one. So the, the recommendation is uh, to read the book called Don't Make Me Think by Steve Krug. And the reason that it's anecdotal is because I was actually thinking back, like, how did I get started with UX? And what, like, what, what kind of... What was my uh, gateway drug, so to speak? And I specifically remember going to the library and picking up Don't Make Me Think, and or like checking it out. And I, like at the time, I was really into web design, but I, I was like, yeah, I guess I should make my sites more usable, or like maybe I've heard about this user experience thing, maybe I should check it out. And then like single-digit pages into the book, I was like, whoa, this is so, this is such an important thing. And it was just a complete eye-opener. So it's a very fun read, and it's a brief read. I guess the only caveat that I would give is that it, it the uh, the illustrations might come off a little outdated now, and maybe it talks about things like screen sizes that aren't super relevant, uh, or maybe it doesn't mention, like, okay. smartphones and stuff. But Mobile experiences, the, yeah. Yeah, but the, the principles that it espouses, uh, I think, are timeless. So I highly, highly recommend, if you're at all interested in, in getting better at user experience, that's the book to start with. Well, I wish I could add something meaningful to that recommendation, but but I nailed I can it. Say is that I agree, and that you know, is there is there a better phrase for you? Nailed it. You killed it. Like <laughs> I don't know. It was perfect. Well, thank you, Robert. I guess that just takes us on to tip number three. <laughs> well then, uh, so tip number three is uh, this is kind of like a mindset thing for UX. Uh, so I think sometimes with UX you can get bogged down in, you know, wanting to improve sort of everything at once or in, improving like extremely small pieces of things, whether they're like colors or just like some some really small details. Uh, but the way I like to think about it is uh, boxing things up as as discrete activities. Uh, so someone might need to sign up, or after they've signed up, you might want a user to, you know, create a widget or invite a user. Uh, and I like to keep those things uh, sort of in their own in their own box, in their own world. That I think about it, and like somebody wants to achieve this activity, and then you can hopefully put yourself in the shoes of of how they need to get there and what they have to do to get there, and 
is it clear, is it unclear? And obviously there's like user testing and a lot of things around that, but uh, just just as a mindset, don't don't necessarily think of your app as like a complete thing or uh, you know, try to try to get out of that mindset and try to recognize when you're in someone else's app or doing something else online and think of it as you know, in, in a discrete chunk of an activity and, and how you go end to end there. So wait, when you say don't think of your app as a as a thing, like how do you mean? Uh, I just mean, as, like if you have a an invoicing app. Um, yeah, an example. Let's go with an example. Sure. If you have an invoicing app, then it's not, you know, zero to invoicing. Like there's there's activities that build up to people having invoices, and then you might have you know, connecting, uh, you know, an accounting app on the back end. And that's like a separate activity that's part of your invoicing app. Um, but like each chunk there, I think it's important to address on its own. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense to me. So conduct, conduct multiple, uh, workflows, not, not just, not just designing for 60, go for zero to 60. Right. Well, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> well, it, it was certainly verbose. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess that I'll just make a super smooth segue to tip number four. Excellent. Uh, and this is, again, a little bit anecdotal here. I got a little nostalgic even. Um, recommendation is to conduct a usability test. Just do it. Just, uh, just, just make one happen. Nice. And uh, the the reason that I was nostalgic is because I was also I was like, all right. So I remember like reading the book and like thinking very strongly that that's what I should do, and then um, listening to the the UIE the Spoolcast the the podcast where like it was like UX talk um, in podcast episodes. Uh, listened to all of those and just felt very passionately about UX, but. Um, didn't really have the opportunity to, to be a practitioner. And, um, it occurred to me like, well, what are the things that a UX person does? Like, well, I guess there's like user research and usability tests and things like that. And I was like, I can just do one. And so, um, I actually found somebody who would pay me to do it, but I genuinely think even if, if you can't find someone to pay you to do it, just, you can just do one. Like you could just pick a site that's not even yours or not even commissioning it. And just get three people, um, you know, to come to swing by and, and just go through the process of it. At the very least, you'll be able to say that you've done one and that you'll be able to be that much more prepared um, for when it's actually showtime. So um, it's, a, it's a really fun experience to have under your belt and a really gratifying one. And um, that's my that's my tip number four. Well, it's really hard to argue with tips that are, you know, do actual genius. Things. Those are, those are very key. The wait tips that are what? Or or go do actual things. Those are oh right. Those are strong recommendations. I think action oriented, uh, uh, actionable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like it. I think uh, you can you can sort of hem and haul around this, but if especially if you have not done one, uh, get, you know, go get your hands dirty. Yeah. And we, we also have a brother an episode about you know getting started there. I think. Ooh, yeah, that's not a bad yeah. idea. Yeah, 
little user testing episode. Who who's the uh, the art of the the art of the start guy? Is that guy Kawasaki? Yeah, I think so. We should have him on. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder if Bill Gates is Maybe. available. He kind of yeah. he's kind of like a self starter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe the, uh, what is it, like, we could use, a f- like, a few punchy sound effects, too. Maybe we can get Emerald to, like, join the call and just be ready to say bam, like, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> that would that would be interesting, <laughs> is just to have, like, uh, like caricature-level personalities. Of, <laughs> <laughs> especially, like, food relay, like, chefs. Like, could, yeah. could, like, could we get, a? Oh, what's that guy's name? Whose face is all wrinkled up? Oh, you're talking about Gordon Ramsay, the, the <laughs> Hell's Kitchen guy. I like how he, I like how he can say that. Yeah, that chef whose face up, yeah. is all wrinkled it's up, like, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah that's Gordon Ramsay. The the Sharpay guy. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, he could come on and just scream at people. <laughs> oh man, I think we would both just hang up because this is secretly the no confrontation podcast, right? <laughs> it would just be, would just be Gordon you yelling literally, in the yeah, air. You would just literally hear us like slinking away. <laughs> uh, all, right. all right, so I guess is that, I guess is that tip number five time. Yeah, I guess it's tip number five. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's tip four. I was gonna I was gonna jump back and say it's like a backtrack tip. It is. We're Rolling backwards. We, we've added a reverse gear to the podcast. Rolling in the deep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was gonna I was gonna tack on. So you said to do a user test. Uh, I was gonna go so far as to say schedule them. Ooh. So if you're, uh, especially if you're already in a in a position where you you know you have your own product or you're working at a place with a product and you can you can. Uh, you know, have enough pull to start doing some user testing, then I think you just say, look, we're going to do one a month or one a quarter or whatever you, you know, feel fits your situation. Uh, but, you know, go ahead and just put it on the books and start doing them. So uh, more, the, the, the guy Kawasaki streak runs strong in this episode. It kind of does, I guess, yeah. Well, fair enough. So just do it is your recommendation. Well, I mean, that was it was your recommendation was just to do it. I'm saying not only, you know, do one today or or whatever, but go ahead and like if you want to get into UX, then it, one user test is not you know, it's not going to make your career nor is it going to make your product. Like you've got to find some oh. consistency and learn about what you're doing and uh and so keep at it continually. Yeah. Well, fair enough. It's the process, says Nick Saban. Uh, football coach. Football coach, indeed. Yeah, he's supposed to be a pretty good one, right? Uh, he gets paid like a good one for sure. Yeah, like uh, like how much? Uh, it actually came out the other day. I want to say it's a definitely in the seven million a year range uh, for a college coach. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, fair enough. All right, so tip number five, I'm going to follow on your book recommendation, which was excellent, by the way. Mm. Oh, well, well, I thought that was tip number five. No, I was just I was just tacking on to tip number four. Oh, so that's, wow. That's why we were going backwards. Oh, so we weren't really going backwards. We were just 
staying where we were. Well, I think we, we yeah, we said, oh, tip number five, and then... And you, you were like, whoa, 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 buddy, hang on. Yeah, yeah. We're not ready horses. to make that move just yet, but now we are, actually. Yeah, so tip number five is to go read the design of everyday things. Oh. Uh, you may not uh, necessarily need the the experience of understanding, you know, good and bad designs for doors and faucets, but the language, uh, the very common language now uh, that is used in that book to describe various kinds of interfaces uh, is pretty powerful and and worth the read. I I would agree with you, except that I have not personally read that one. But so many people who uh, I I respect as being very very smart uh, very strongly recommend that book. So by proxy, I'll have to say, yep, what Robert said. Yeah, maybe I'll send you a copy. Ooh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, there you go. All right, well, that brings us all the way to number six. So tip number six. A uh, little bit, little bit piggybacking on tip number four, kind of a uh, little come see, come saw, is get started with user recruiting, which is something you would kind of have to do in order to run a usability test. Um, but user recruiting, brother, there's a whole world unto that. And uh, I believe we recorded a podcast episode that kind of covered a lot of that. Did we or did we not? I think we, we did. definitely we definitely addressed it a lot. And I think in the user testing episode where yeah. You know, types of things like how to incentivize people, how to make sure they show up on time, how to set up the environment so people right. are feeling comfortable, all that stuff. But just getting people to, yeah. to sign on. It's, and also uh, some sampling stuff, you know, like are you recruiting from the right segments to get the information you want? Right. And so I, I, re- I remember feeling like I literally had UX on my business cards uh, at the time that I really started getting serious about user recruiting and getting better at that. And I think that it's a, it's a, uh, a lot to learn and really isn't, I don't know if it's, maybe it's just not the sexy part of user experience, but a lot of UX talk does not, does not really cover that as being a major thing, but it's definitely a major pain in the butt. So I would just say, I would say at the very least brush up on it. You'll probably be surprised at how much it really goes into it. Um, and and go from there. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, th- I think soft skills like that are underemphasized. And if if I had a tip about user recruiting to sort of put people at ease and and build the trust, it would be uh, to sort of follow up fanatically. You know, so if you fanatically, yeah, if I you, thought you if said you, phonetically you know, at first. Oh, oh. And I was like, oh, how sorry. could how could you possibly do that? Well, I'm hooked on phonics, Samuel. Right. So just follow up, like, in the way that it sounds. Just sound it out. <laughs> um, this is very confrontational. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just just follow up uh, phonetically. Like, make sure you let them know before the appointment. Make sure you confirm the appointment. Uh, you know, kind of a three-way handshake, kind of a rule on, like, all your early interactions. And make sure you follow up with thanks and tell them about uh, you know, results that came out of the input that they gave you and sort of close all those feedback loops and make them feel good about the experience and good about working with you and all, all that kind of stuff. I think that's some of the most important things you can do to make it uh, a good experience for the users and, uh, you know, create a better pipeline for your own user recruiting as well. Yeah. So send lots of emails. 
Yeah, they might be phone calls. You know, mm. you could send gifts. You could handwrite notes. I mean, there's a lot of ways to follow up. But at at the very least, yeah, fire up fire up the email. Animated gifts. It, it might. It sort of may depend a little on. That's that's pretty un. You know, buttoned down. <laughs> that's that's when you want to let your hair down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's a. <laughs> Uh, oh, did you say gifts with a T? Yeah, I did. Oh. That makes me think a good gift store name would be Animated Gifts. But I guess really what would you sell? Just like cartoons and stuff? Maybe that's yeah. not a great idea. I have no idea. I don't think anybody's going to steal that one. <laughs> Someone's booking the Earl right now. <laughs> furiously typing. Oh, you call it an Earl, huh? Uh, I don't know. I did. Right. I call it a URL. I, uh, I'm, I'm content to call it, you know, I usually say URL, but it just happened. I was, uh, speaking with someone the other day, um, and, and I referred to, uh, the, the image, uh, file type as a ping and they're like, What? And they, because they, they only call it a PNG. Oh. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever actually heard it, a ping. And I know it's supposed to be called GIF, and I just don't give a rip. I call it GIF. As long, you can't make me call it what I don't want to call it. Yeah. Well, it's not peanut butter, so, um, you know? Yeah, GIF, the, nothing else is pronounced GIF. Tons of other things are pronounced GIF. Exactly. Yep, good call. Good call. But once again... I'm agreeing with you either because we actually agree or because I just don't want to go there. Exactly. The Furious <laughs> Agreement podcast. Uh, right. We're agreeing, but secretly we're angry about our vehement yes. disagreements. Too too tired to fight. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what tip we're on at this point. Do you? Uh, I think we are on seven now. Okay, and that's you. Yeah. So, seven is to either hire or to be a consultant on a, on a UX project. Ooh. Uh, so, if, if you're more on the product side and you just want to get started with, you know, using UX principles and tactics and whatnot, uh, then I think you should, you should hire somebody and, and so try to work closely with them to understand some of their processes and their mindset and improving you know, whatever piece of the product or, you know, giving recommendations for their broader product. Uh, but just, I think that experience will assist you and sort of like get you moving, get you some positive inertia. Uh, and then if you're looking more like career side or if you just don't have a product in front of you, then uh, I think go ahead and, you know, find a gig. Uh, there's a lot of places to do that. Um, and if you're really, you know, if you feel like you're not credentialed and you need to build your name, then you take, you know, you take the, the gigs you can get and the places you can get them uh, and do the best work you can and, and just move up. Any port in a storm? You know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. That's not a sexual innuendo, is it? Um, not if you don't want it to be. <laughs> It's because like, every time I say any port in a storm, I'm always like, wait a minute, I th that's not like dirty. I don't think. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to look it up, honestly. It's right. 
Well, sailors. Am I right? Kind of have a reputation for one thing. That's true. Yeah. Maybe anything nautical. I'm just like, ooh, wait a minute. That's got to be dirty. <laughs> it feels filthy. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh, tip number eight. Uh, in in the spirit of not picking up bad habits, I would very very highly recommend thinking about user experience design as the design of accommodating workflows and not the design of individual screens. Uh, I think that a lot of UX deliverables or design uh, deliverables or or, uh, collaboration um, deliverables are um, very focused on, okay, here's a wireframe of what the the contact screen will look like, or here's, you know, how the dashboard is going to look when you do X, Y, and Z or whatever. But it doesn't show ultimately how people get from A to B, like you were saying in your initial one where, you know, if you're, if your software is invoicing software, there are certain things that you need to do just to get set up or before you can even do that. Um, so not only identifying what those workflows are, but also using that as the core thing that you're designing around, as opposed to then saying like, okay, yeah, 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 we're doing, we're designing for workflows, but now we're just going to focus on the individual screens. And then like, that's what everybody kind of, uh, pivots around, I guess you could say. So uh, uh, time and again, across what is that kind of a don't well it's it's a do focus on workflows don't focus on individual screens as much okay yeah i kind of uh you you've dressed up the words uh and i think it's better you 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 are articulate sir Uh, are you basically saying like yeah that was my tip (laughs) you're just you're just you're just rephrasing what my my tip was uh but I feel like you did a better job with it, so, you know, I'm not going to argue with it at all. Mm. Um, yeah, well, thank you. That, that makes me feel nice to hear. I, by way of an example, um, one that I use often is defining a workflow versus design, design, defining a screen or a design pattern or whatever that might be. Like, you could say, this is the sign-up page, right? That's a, or, like, the sign-up form. That's a thing that you can make. And people can say, I think the button should be centered, or I think the button copy should be this, or whatever that might be. But you're not defining it by what it does, really. You're defining it by what it is, as far as just, you know, a pattern of pixels, basically. Um, Whereas if you define it as a workflow instead, you could say this is where user authentication happens. And then that could take the place, that could be a sign-up form, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe it could also be social sign-in, or a weird gesture or a retinal scan or who knows what. And so all of a sudden, and then you can also like the outcomes are baked into it. So in the same way you were talking about, um, you know, having focusing on results or like, what's the actual uh, end result of, of this workflow taking place. Like you can say people did authenticate or did not, but if, you know, just looking at the sign up form itself, it doesn't necessarily, um, directly and explicitly state its purpose or what its end result should be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would add, uh, as far as the individual screens thing goes, uh, it can be really treacherous when you start thinking in terms of screens, because I think you end up multiplying the number of screens that you may actually need. And you, you start thinking in a, I don't know, maybe a more like linear, like, screen path sort of 
way about the application when, you know, if you think from the activity or workflow perspective, uh, you realize that some of those things need to be able to happen from multiple places, and that might mean going to the same place from another place, but it might also mean, uh, you know, there are multiple ways to accomplish these things, or shortcuts, or uh, there might be, you know, additional information you need or less information you need depending on, you know, what the workflow actually is like. So I, yeah. I think the screen approach can blind you to some of those possibilities. And and I think it also sort of slyly implies that uh, because you have made the screen, then then whatever action it is uh, in, encouraging will take place, which which is uh, certainly not the case in my experience. That it I, I kind of went on a little t- Twitter rant about this the other day, but like you can't make people do things, and it's really surprising to me to time and again hear product teams talk about, you know, we need to make people come back or we need to make people sign up more quickly or whatever. Like, you can't make anybody do anything because using a website is is 100% voluntary, right? So yeah. uh, the idea of, like, creating screens and this is where people do this or this is, this is where we get people to, you know, take X action um, I, is, is, I think, very dangerous thinking that, that just because a screen exists, it causes a certain mode of behavior. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it it's a less less positive, less user focused uh, way to conceptualize an application. Right, and lastly, it also in uh, invites people to, um, I, I guess maybe rally around like po- perhaps the less interesting part of a screen, which is like the screen itself. So almost right. like if you wrote an essay. And you ask people to pick apart the grammar in it, as opposed to like, does this essay make you want to do something, <laughs> or like, does this is is this helpful information? Like, I think if you take a step backwards and look at workflows, that's a lot of a healthier way where people can come in and say, oh, you know, I, I don't think people are going to want to do this, or people are probably going to want to do it in this different way, or we can get more people to do it if we phrase it this way, as opposed to like, can you pick apart the color of this button or? Um, would you rather see, you know, a photo of a puppy instead of a kitten or whatever? Right. Yeah. Is sometimes this... too, if you if you have like a bigger team and like you have a UX person that's like responsible for that, delivering uh, screens to engineers or something like that, you can also have sort of a breakdown there when it's very screen focused, because nobody's going to ask the question after screens are delivered if like, oh, is this good for the user? What were we thinking here? Like. They're just going to be like, oh, this is a screen. We're going to do it. Right. Or or people... And personally, I don't know. There's this weird sharks versus jets kind of thing with like uh, designers versus engineers. I, I don't know why everybody can't get along, for one thing. Like, like, designers seem to feel threatened by engineers. Maybe there's a history of engineers just being like... Yeah, I won't code that <laughs> or whatever. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Not going to be able to do it. Yeah. I don't know what the what the history there is, but like... I mean, speaking of someone who's been on both sides of the table, there are a lot of times where designers just frankly haven't thought something all the way through, where it's like, okay, so you have given me a wireframe of a date picker, like, what should the default date be? And, you know, how many dates should people be able to focus on? Or how easy is it for somebody to choose the last month? And isn't that the most likely scenario? Or whatever that might be. Sure. Um, 
so thinking through like all the the edge cases um, and just the the interaction of it as opposed to just the appearance of it, uh, I think is is an area where engineers can really contribute to uh, the design of the thing for one. But what everybody needs to know is what is the purpose of this thing, which brings me back to my tip. Yep, I like it quite quite a lot of output there, but it was it was important. It was a good tip. We hit a we hit a vein, I think. We struck a nerve. Indeed. In myself. I struck uh, my own nerve. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. That tip probably deserved two points anyway. Well, there you go. Uh, cool. So does that take us to number nine? Robert? Oh, was I supposed to answer? Was yeah, well, that... I thought you were going to say yes. Oh, yes? It does. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so my tip... Uh, is I guess another thing that I think is, uh, you know, just kind of central to this, and uh, it's just another way to solicit feedback, and that's to, it's a, it's another do this tip, and it's go conduct some surveys. Boom. Yeah. You know so what? I, what's that? That was my that was my bubble tip, and I was like, man, I can only do five. Really right. want to work surveys in there, just couldn't find a way. So I'm so glad you you that was the one you chose. Well, I'm here for you. There you go. <laughs> just as a quick note, everybody. Uh, actually, I paid Robert under the table to uh, <laughs> yeah. to make this tip. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, we we hate to include that point in the podcast, but it's written into the the contract. So. It is. Yeah. Not only not only does Robert go first, but there also has to be a, a full and complete disclosure of of uh, any time that I've given him a, a payola, <laughs> uh, and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 good to note for the for the listeners out there. Yeah. Tip ten is gonna be sponsored by Kraft Foods. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I feel about Kraft Foods. Wasn't that something we talked about at the very beginning? Like we were, oh, yeah. we were we totally stop, stop every we podcast should... at, like every episode, like, hey everybody, just wanna let you know that uh <laughs> this this episode is brought to you by Walgreens or like right. just just fake some huge sponsors. Like... Yeah. But also, like, the least cool ones. Microsoft is proud to present the <laughs> Successful Users Podcast. Boom, boom. Burn, burn Microsoft. <laughs> you are now Kraft Foods. <laughs> what does uh, that mean if you're the Kraft Foods of software? It's, that's actually, that's not a bad description. It's not. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like, you could have a, a camera just in the, it, well, I should, maybe I should preface and say, there, there's a particular mall here that has an Apple store and a wiz- Windows store. Mm. Uh, and it was a pretty early Apple store, and it's very popular. Uh, but the Windows store is usually not not as popular. Uh, and oh, I just feel say. like, you know, if you're ever feeling down about not having enough traffic or, uh, you know, people don't like you, then there should just be, like, a live cam in the Microsoft store, and you can look in there and be like, oh, <laughs> well, it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> and and like uh well I'm better than these people. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing nothing more pure joy than uh you know unnecessarily comparing yourself unfairly to other people. Right. It's just like where you, you just you just like pull up the the video cam and it's like this is a store filled with people that are trying to get out of it. <laughs> is it set up like a maze on purpose? <laughs> It's like a really tiny IKEA. 
That's it's like the Chinese finger trap of score stores. <laughs> uh, all right, so surveys. <laughs> we definitely went off the rails there. Uh, uh, yeah, I you know I found something over here, and you know what it is? Uh, survey. No, it's it's a segue to tip number ten. Wait, so that was your whole tip? Yeah, just go out and do it. Oh, I thought there was a certain angle on surveys. Oh, well, I guess there's so many different ways to do surveys. I I could have chosen one, uh, but I don't. I, I feel like the most important thing is just to to do them and solicit some some qualitative feedback there, especially like broad based qualitative feedback. Yeah, we really need to get Kai Kawasaki on this. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by The Art of the Start. <laughs> or uh, or like Nike with Just Do It. Like, I wonder if Phil Knight's available. He seems, uh, like, he seems like a pretty approachable guy. Right. Well, it seems maybe he's, you know, taking a step back from Oregon this week. I don't know. Ugh. That was, <laughs> that was a low blow. Sorry. Those ca- those Arizona Wildcats, they got our they got our number. You know, sometimes that just happens to you. I I understand the feeling. Yeah. At least we got those cool uniforms though. They are shiny, sir. Very shiny. All right. So, uh surveys, just do them. Tip number 9. Yes, sir. Tip number 10, the last tip. The final tip. I would call, I would call it the penultimate tip, but that would be tip number 9 then, wouldn't it? <laughs> So it's just the ultimate tip? That, that that sounds a little egotistical. Uh yeah, it's it's funny though how how some words have I especially different meanings with like different chronology. Uh like I feel like the word fantastic has come a long way. It means something totally different than it did like even in the early uh 20th century. Right. Or uh yeah, like fantastic that would be like like made up, right? Right. Or um like terrific, yeah. Because there's like horrible and horrific, and both of those are bad things. Right. And then there's terrible and terrific, and like one of those not so bad. Yeah, uh, the language just moves. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Or um, what's the word uh, that? Ah, uh, oh, shoot. What is it? There. It's uh, not unbelievable because that one's kind of on the nose. But there's there's another word that's like uh, supposed to be like really really good, but it basically means like oh incredible like that means right. like incredible means there's there's no credibility to this basically right this is literally something I cannot put trust in <laughs> right and so like this is this is apparently false <laughs> yeah right so like if somebody was like oh you gave an incredible speech like oh really so it's just like. There's no basis to it. Great, thank so, you. So I'm a charlatan. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So tip number ten is to the the. There's a very simple rule of usability and user experience that uh, in all my years I can't seem to find anything wrong, like to undermine it to make it incredible, uh, which is Joel Spolsky who is not, uh, you know, primarily a user experience practitioner, wrote up uh, an essay a long, long time ago um, all about usability and the ins and outs of it. And he kind of, I kind of think it was the Joel Spolsky rule, um, but he basically sums it all up as 
if the user doesn't know what is going to happen when they do something, that's a bad thing. And if whatever happens, wait, let me rephrase. If the user thinks something is going to happen when they do something and that thing doesn't happen, then that is a breakdown in the user experience or that is a usability issue, regardless of whether they are, the user was quote unquote wrong or not. Which is to say, if anytime there's a mismatch between their expectations and what actually happens, then either you didn't deliver, you failed to deliver on their expectations, or you failed to guide their expectations to begin with. Right. So I'm sure we'll put that article in the show notes, but just a a lot of usability especially, but just kind of user experience in general to me is like, what would someone expect to happen? (laughs) And like, just asking that question can oftentimes be a really good uh, acid test for... um, uh, maybe a, a not fully baked idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. Uh, let's see. Yeah, man. You, why? Why did you have to add the last part on? That was good. Ooh, wait. Which last part? The the acid test thing. I was I was I was seeking to summarize, but uh-huh. that was kind of the thrust of it. And so I now I've got nothing. Hmm. Well, I can add another thing. Just really show you up here. <laughs> Okay, please do. Um, so there's also a thing that I picked up. I think the book was called like UX and SEO or Usability and SEO. I want to look this up real quick. Okay. Because uh, it's it's a, not a bad book. Nope, that's not coming up. Let's try this. Hmm, not coming up on Amazon. Have you heard of the site Amazon? They have a whole ton of books on it. Oh, that's weird. You can buy books online now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, they actually have like all kinds of stuff. Huh. I'll have to check that out. Ugh, I can't find it anywhere. I'll, I'll look it up. Oh, what, do, what do people care? We'll just put it in the show notes. But anyway, so there was this book that I read, which was like a pretty good book in general, but it introduced me to something that I, I had was not yet familiar with at the time, which is what's called an expectancy test. And an expectancy test is... A very interesting thing where you print out a screen that you want to improve and you slide it across the table to uh, a user that you have recruited back in step, uh, what was that? Six? No. Yeah, six. Anyway, back in tip six, you, you practice your user recruiting skills. You slide this piece of paper across the table and you ask the, the user uh, tester to... Circle everything that looks clickable, and then, uh, so that, first of all, will indicate to you maybe they circled some things that aren't clickable, so that's an issue. Maybe they didn't circle some things that are clickable, that's another issue. But then on top of it, you then say, for everything that you circled, tell me what you think happens when you click on it. And boy, will that yield some insights right away. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm curious, though, if you were going to run one of those... Would you want, uh, would you want them to circle things like on a screen, uh, like maybe on a tablet or on a, a screenshot or a, you know maybe even on top of a some kind of browser plugin where you could circle things? Well, I think or that would, would ruin the screen. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't mean with a marker on the screen. Oh, like a crayon. I, I guess I was just saying screen versus a printout. 
because there's some some context shift there, and the the printout's not going to be like a perfect representation of the, especially HTML. Yeah, I concur. Um, I, I I'm not aware of any browser plugins that would currently do that, but uh, but yes, yeah, I mean, overall, I would I would uh, I would agree. Maybe even if you just took a screenshot and then you pulled it up in like Keynote yeah. or something, yeah, I guess preview, maybe the yeah. issue is, can you assume that your users know how to you know create circles or whatever? But I guess if you just give them a big fat, you know, just you pull it up in Photoshop and then and then like give them like a, a, a sixty pixel marker thing pen, and then just say right. just like smudge over stuff that look clickable. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and for the record, that the, in the book they recommend that you print it out, and so I was just saying what the book tells you to do. But personally, I think certainly there could be a some some uh, some things lost in translation there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So well, there you go. Do do we want to flip it around and uh, give them the summary? The whip around. The whip around. Oh, that's basically my favorite part of the episode of every episode. <laughs> uh, well, tip number one was to tie UX improvements to real metrics that businesses care about. I love that tip. That's probably speaking of ultimate tips. I think that's probably the ultimate tip. Yeah, not always easy, but definitely useful. Tip number two, read a book called Don't Make Me Think by Steve Krug. Tip number three is think of your app as a set of discrete activities. Tip number four, just just go out there and actually conduct a usability test. And I guess I should uh, quickly, I meant to, meant to give this caveat earlier, uh, Conducting a usability test. I call it usability test. You call it user test. Yes. And because I call it usability test because you're testing the usability of the thing. You're not testing the user. Uh, yeah, you're, you're bringing in a user to do a test of the system, I guess. Oh, so you're saying let's user test our application. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Tip well, number five. I'm glad we could agree. Tip number five is read the design of everyday things. Tip number six is uh, actually try your hand at actually recruiting users for testing, for user testing. Oh, yeah. Tip number seven is uh, go ahead and hire or be a consultant, depending on your situation. Tip number eight was me saying what Robert's tip was better. Go ahead, go ahead and state it better, though. You, you had good words. <laughs> think, in, think in workflows, not in discrete screens. Yeah. I think it was this, the screens thing, though, that you made it like a lot more concrete. That was good. Ooh. Well, there you go. Yep. And uh, number nine was go out and conduct a survey. Just do it. Uh, and number ten was uh, question and find out what the user expects to happen when, when presented with something that, they, that can happen. Very that was nice. that was a uh, didn't really stick the landing there. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm sure the users, uh, users, the the listeners <laughs> will forgive us. Do you? Uh, uh, how do you feel about the term users? Because a lot of that's what a lot of people don't like it. There's the whole drug dealer thing, so on and so forth. <laughs> uh, well, I I guess. Uh... I kind of feel like objections like those where it's just, you know, this word is also used in a different context to mean a certain thing. <laughs> right. Uh, Co- coincidental uh, evidence. Right. 
that doesn't really feel that threatening to me, and it also kind of seems like a lot of times we were talking about language moving. It just seems like you're going to create like a new euphemism for the thing you're talking about, but then it's going to have to move again because it's going to get co-opted for something else. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't know that I'm like terribly worried about it in in that regard. But right. Well, if, there's also like uh like the Buckminster Fuller thing, which is like don't complain about what is create something new that makes the thing you don't like irrelevant. And I right. I haven't seen haven't seen anybody step up and offer a replacement for user. Yeah. Um what else what are you going to say? People or audience, visitor, right. customers? Friends, yeah, but they but they might not be customers. Yeah, I know. You can't really uh um uh, well, I guess uh <laughs> Should we should we try a real sign off or should we just like abruptly end it? Uh... <laughs> um, well, yeah, you you know if you want to reach out, uh, you got any questions for us? Then successfulusers uh, dot com, success at successfulusers dot com. I butchered that right straight away. Or just anything uh, at successfulusers dot com. Yeah, it does work. We, so we just we just ask that it's not an insult at successfulusers dot com. Please. Uh, and also at successful users on Twitter. Um, so feel free to to reach out. We we delight in providing uh, delight responses to it, really any kind of feedback we get, or questions, or anything like that. So if you've got an idea for an episode, or you just want some answers, then please demand them. Insist. <laughs> we insist that you insist. Indeed. All right. Well, Robert, as always. It's been a pleasure, and I thank you. Until next time. (laughs)